It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder mixing up their rotation so much. What are they experimenting with? What are they trying to gain? Plus, SGA continues to live at the free throw line. We'll dive into that and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're talking about the Thunder and their experimentations with their rotations, as that is a hot-button topic for every Thunder fan. We're also going to dive into should the NBA overhaul their replay system and SGA just living at the free throw line and more from that New Orleans Pelicans game. But today's show is brought to you by Sweatblock. Get your sweating under control with Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Uh, Sweatblock, you can save 20% with the promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available at Amazon. So check that out right now. So let's start with the rotations. That's been kind of the biggest question mark of this whole season, I feel like. Um, I, I think that the thing that the Thunder get questioned the most on is, why are they playing this guy? Why aren't they playing this guy? What are these rotations? And so when you're asking those things, I understand why. It's because it's strange, because it's unconventional. But I think that the better answer than that, than those blanket statements, would be that the roster finally cut up to OKC, and not in a bad way. Like There was a weird narrative in the summertime. It was like, oh, the Thunder have too many guys. They don't have too many guys. Because here's what's going to happen. The, the roster caught up in the sense of it went from being a dreadful roster two years ago to a bad roster last year, and now you have a roster top to bottom with guys that you care about. That's the difference. So I get questioning it. I get kind of uh, looking at how wacky it is. But to me, there's a fine line to walk. Because I'm starting to see people, you know, question Mark and, and his ability to coach. It's none of that. What I mean by the roster catching up, there are players on this roster that we all think should play more. For me, it's Aaron Wiggins. I think that Aaron Wiggins should play more. But this roster is now deep enough to have our guys. There's simply more players to care about, and not everyone can play each night. Think about last year. There just weren't enough players on the roster to care about. You, you go up and down last year's roster, and 
let's say Poku has a just a bad outing to start the game. Let's say Poku just isn't physical enough, which has been the, the, the big thing in the, in, the, in the games in which he has not played a ton of minutes this year. Who are you going to turn to? Gabriel Deck? Who, why? Who cares? Mamadi Diakye? Who, who cares? Like Those are not guys that the Thunder are invested in long-term. There's no longer Rob Edwards, Jalen Horde, Scotty Hobson, Ty Jerome. Like, there's no longer these guys, tell me, that, that, that like, there is no future development in. There's no future investment in. And so when you, when you replace Paul Watson with a lottery pick, of course we think that the lottery pick should be playing more. I mean, you think about the draft class. Of course, Chet Holm runs out for the season. It doesn't count. But Usman hasn't played a ton. Jay Will hasn't played a ton, and Jay Dub's been the only one that has played a lot for the Thunder. You brought in three lottery picks. Of course, one's out for the season, doesn't count. So two lottery picks, and only one of them is seeing significant minutes. That's how deep this roster is compared to just last year, not to mention the beginning of all of this. Not to mention 2020, you know, 2020 whenever you didn't have uh, Josh Giddy or anyone. You had Moses Brown and Tony Bradley and uh, George Hill, You know all, the, all these guys that had no significance in the future of this organization. And so this roster now is 17 guys deep of players that you think and can talk yourself into having a great stake in the rest of this rebuild. Maybe you can't talk yourself into Isaiah Joe, so that's one. And maybe you don't want to see the Thunder play Darius Baisley, so that's two. Well, Isaiah Joe, of course, his minutes fluctuate, and people actually do want to see him play a lot, Right. And then Darius Baisley played five minutes, five minutes in this game against New Orleans. So he's not been getting consistent minutes. And then maybe with how bad Kenny Hustle is playing this year, you might want to get off the Kenny Hustle bandwagon. That's at most three players in which you can gripe with, with who Mark is playing versus not playing. The end of the day, this is just the roster catching up. And so how does this get solved? How is this not a bad thing? Well, because sadly, not everyone will pan out. Like my guy, Aaron Wiggins, I want to see him play. He's 5-0 as a starter. When he does play, he's always a positive impact. I want to see him get opportunity. There are other players who the Thunder have just invested more in, like Trey Mann, who's going to get minutes ahead of him. Right? But the way that this all gets solved is not everyone's going to work out. Guys you invest in might just not be good. And so some guys will leap up. They're going to take their spot. They're going to, to claim their minutes. They're going to, to get a stronghold on their rotational spot. And then some guys just won't work out. And that won't be this year. I, I, of course, Shea and, and Giddy, those, those, those echelon of players on this roster are not in this conversation right now. I'm talking about the roster spots that are fluctuating in minutes. They will fluctuate, I think, all year long. I don't think that you're going to see them get defined this year. But next year, over the summer, you know, at the All-Star break next year, like then it will start to be more true and defined uh, whenever guys do or don't take their leap. But that's really all this is. This is just how rebuilding is done whenever you get all these fun young pieces. Whenever you have two straight draft classes of four players. And of those four players, right, from each class, making eight. Seven of them are available to play. They're healthy enough to play. They could be on the court right now. 
but even they are not getting that opportunity. And, and those are who you've invested draft picks in, those precious, precious draft picks. That just goes to show that all this mixing and matching, all these rotational experiments, these are born from you having a better roster. So before you go each and every night and criticize Mark and talk about how this coaching staff doesn't know what they're doing, well, they get the guys to play really good defense, and that, and that came back against New Orleans after a, a bad defensive stretch, the worst of Mark's career, uh, whenever you're, you're, you're factoring in every player, right? So that came back after the worst stretch of Mark's career. He gets the guys to play hard all three years that he's been here, which is it's hard to do. Look around. Right, the Thunder have never finished bottom three in the NBA, and the teams that do finish bottom three haven't just finished there. They've been embarrassing. They've gone on twenty-two game losing streaks. They've 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 set records for how terrible they are. Thunder had one historically bad night in Memphis, but other than that, they go out there, they play hard, and they and they typically don't embarrass themselves, which is hard to do in this stage. So before you go and criticize Mark, I would love to know who you would like to see him play over whom. Because there's just simply not enough minutes to go around. So if if it is Aaron Wiggins, like it is for me, who are you replacing? Because I can throw out these names, right? I can say, eh, you know, Trey Mann's been in a slump. I would like to see Wiggins play over Trey Mann. Well, yeah, he's in a slump, but that's you know, a a top 20 pick of your organization that you're trying to develop and trying to work through. Okay. I'd like to see him play over, over Kenny Hustle. Well, that's one of your, you know, veterans. And and that one, that one, everyone can talk themselves into, right? Or Pokashevsky. Well, no, Pokashevsky's been playing really good and and you want to see him continue to develop. Lou Dort, he's one of your higher paid players after this extension kicks in, you know, when this extension, of course, kicked into this year, like, when you're thinking all this through, it's tough to find the holes and in, in where you want to put these players in the rotation. We all want them to play more. We all want to see Wiggins. We want to see, I see a Joe after that, that hot streak, which he's cooled off from a bit, obviously. We want to get our hands on Usman Chang. We haven't seen, right, J-Will a ton in the NBA, like hardly at all. And this roster is just too crowded to see a ton of Lindy Waters or Eugenio Morui. And, it's difficult to find minutes on this team whenever you don't have Chet Holmgren for the year, whenever Mike Muscala has been sidelined for a, for a few games and will be out for another week or two. And before you cash in on this draft pick this year, which no matter what the record is, it's going to be a good draft pick. This is a loaded draft class. You're going to find a really good player no matter where your pick's at. That's the type of competitive environment. That's the type of competitive atmosphere that the Thunder are creating. The Thunder are, are finding and so you can't reward bad minutes all the time. So whenever Pokashevsky gets pulled after a mistake, and you hate it because you want to watch Poku, right? We all want to watch Poku. He's fun. He's been playing great this year. He deserves some more leash. I understand that. Uh, but you now can have that trade-off of not rewarding a lack of you know physicality, teaching him a lesson, so to say, because you're going to guys who are still you know, focusing on and primarily being developmental options for you. Whereas last year you'd be going to Paul Watson, who's a 28 year old two way guy that no one, that, that no one can envision playing in the NBA even this year. So I think that that's where the big difference comes in the way the rotations are handled this year versus in years past and why it's gotten to the point where it's so incredibly heightened and it's so um, 
funky and, uncon- and unconventional and all that jazz. That's kind of where I think that we see all this unfold. And that's been the vision, I guess, for, for the Thunder and compiling all these assets. But today's show is brought to you by Sweatblock, folks. Sweatblock is incredible. We all live in around Oklahoma, wherever you live at. It doesn't matter. You can have a sweating problem, but especially here in Oklahoma. I have a sweating problem. You don't want that sweat to derail your everyday life. A big meeting, a big event, a big date, whatever the case is, you do not want the sweat, the pit stains, the shiny forehead, the uncomfortable feeling you get in your skin whenever you're you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, can they tell that I'm sweating? Can they see this 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 drop of sweat fall off of my eyebrow? Oh no, oh no, oh no. Whenever you get that feeling, you want to avoid that. And the way to avoid that is by going to Sweatblock. You can go to sweatblock.com and use the code locked on for 20% off. You can also go to Amazon and find it there. You can go, take your shower, apply this sweat block on your problem areas, whether it's your armpit, your forehead, whatever it is for you, and it can keep you dry for up to seven days. So check it out today. Sweatblock is there for you. Sweatblock.com, promo code locked on, and Amazon.com as well. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. So we talked about the rotations. Now let's talk about the game. Chet Holmgren out, Lindy Waters out, Jalen Williams out, Eugene Murray out, Mike Muscala out, Isaiah Joe and Wiggins, two did not play coaches' decisions, which we which we kind of led with on the show. And then the Pelicans didn't have, you know, McCollum or Ingram or Nance, but that's kind of typical night in and night out of the NBA. You're not going to play a team at full strength. It doesn't take away to me from how hard this team fought against New Orleans and how good they played defensively. Obviously, the Pelicans are much better whenever McCollum and Ingram and Nance play, but uh, still, that's just kind of the price of doing business in the NBA. The Thunder, while he's speaking about kind of the rotational stuff, their starters were actually the same as their minute getters, which we have been following all season long. The five starters, SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Pokashevsky, JRE, were the same five most minute getters in this game. Let's talk SGA first, though, as we always do, typically always do. SGA scores 31 points on a career high in free throws. And I think that this is just another way to exclaim his stardom. SGA struggled in this game. This was not a pretty SGA game. 31 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 7 turnovers. 7 for 21 shooting. 1 for 6 from 3. He shot 16 of 18 at the free throw line. 16 of 18 
This is the best job any team has ever done defending SGA this year. And a lot of you said the Memphis game, which box score wise, the Memphis game was also not good. But the Memphis game felt more like it was a sluggish, checked out Shea game than the Memphis Grizzlies just dominating Shea on defense. Herb Jones had his way with Shea a lot of the times. But you still have to foul him. Even whenever Herb Jones plays electric defense on Shea and is in his in his praised and given props by everybody around the NBA, even those of us in Oklahoma City. Plays incredible. Shea is still going to find a way to get his and, and manufacture his, his fouls and manufacture points, and manufacture offense. And part of it is he's just too good because if you weren't fouling him, then he'd just shoot better from the floor, right? But get ready. Get ready. Because the backlash is coming. This is soon going to start to catch on around the league. Shea's going to go from, oh, wow, look at Shea, first 10 games averaging 31 points. Oh, wow, look at Shea, first 20 games, still playing at MVP level. This is soon going to go to, oh, wow, look at Shea. He's getting 14 free throws a night. And that's soon going to tick off the rest of the league. That's soon going to make other fan bases not like Shea. But I'd ask of you, what superstar doesn't do that, especially when they're having an off night, doesn't get to the line. But Shea will soon join the likes of Luka, the likes of prime James Harden, the likes of every superstar where they get these superstar calls or they're living at the free throw line and, and fans kind of start to not necessarily discredit them because the way that Shea gets fouled isn't necessarily a way you can discredit, right? It's not, it's not the James Harden, looping of the arm, jumping into you in his prime, where that would just frustrate the heck out of anybody. But, so so not necessarily discredit SGA, but of course, uh, gripe about it, especially whenever you play on the road. So get ready, that's going to come. But Herb Jones did, a, did, did great. And the Pelicans are so well-equipped for defending guys like Shea. Like, that's that's just superstars in general. Because Herb Jones is a really good on-ball defender, Jose Alvarado's a pesky guy that if your handles are not crisp, he's going to pick your pocket at least once and get deflections as he did in this one. And I think that the game was very fun to watch it come down to Shea and Herb Jones on the Thunders end of the ball. I thought it was interesting that Mark did not call a timeout whenever the Thunder regained possession with like eight seconds left. Let, he just let SGA go down the floor and uh, try to take on Herb Jones, and obviously that ended up in the in the controversial charge call where one ref called it a block, one ref called it a charge. The last two minute report called it a uh, a block. Me personally, in real time, I thought it was a charge. Like I I, I tweeted it out, I thought it was a charge. Uh, I thought it was a good call by the official that had a charge. Obviously, the last two minute report did not agree. That's kind of how charges go. But I thought it was interesting to let. SGA kind of just go there by Mark. And I liked that. I liked that decision. Um, he, in the past, Mark has called a timeout in that spot. And, and I, there was one game I remember, I, I'll have to go back and find this before the next podcast or whatever, but uh, there was one game where there was kind of a miscommunication on, you know, from Shea looking at the sidelines in one game in this kind of same scenario. Do you want me to go? Or do you want to call a timeout? Mark looking at Shea, like, do you want to go? And then they just kind of mess everything up in the sense of, I think that Shea took a dribble and then Mark called the timeout so they couldn't advance the ball. And so Mark just let his star go at it and, and, and turn this into an ISO game. And when you have one of the most electric and the best uh, rim finisher for a guard in the NBA, I don't see a problem with that. I don't see a problem with that at all. And, you know, the only 
counter-argument to that would be that Mark historically in these last three years has been elite at, at a timeout plays and, and slob plays. And Josh Giddy, of course, is, is an, uh, an elite weapon as an inbounder um, off of these as well. So maybe that's kind of your argument for taking the timeout. But I, I didn't mind that philosophy at all for the Thunder keeping SGH in rhythm. Now, does the NBA replay system need to get overhauled? To me, I like the NBA replay system as it is, except for the fact that if you win a challenge, you don't get it back. You get your timeout back, but you don't get your challenge back. And and I think and I hope that we're trending towards that changing, to where at least if you win your first one, you get your second one back. Because this is something that hurt both teams. Both teams won their first challenge and had another play soon thereafter where they could have challenged again and won it, but they didn't have a challenge left. They, there was nothing they could do. They didn't have their challenge left anymore because they challenged a play uh, previously. And so, to me, I would like to see the Thunder and every other team, of course, get their uh, challenge restored if they hit on their first challenge. I think that that would be the simplest and best way to go about this. I think that Ludwig played well also. Uh, 14 points, 5 assists, 2 steals, 40% from the th- uh, three-point line, 46% from the floor. Uh, he had one bad play on defense, which was, which was very surprising, obviously, because he's a defensive menace. Uh, but he was defending uh, Trey Murphy on a rotation, but... Jerry was kind of at the top of the key already, leaving Zion open for three in the slot, which it, I think it confused Dort on why Jerry was not already shuffling towards Zion. But Jerry was kind of thinking, I'm going to wait till Lou Dort gets here, and then I'm going to go to Zion because I don't really care if Zion hits the three and I'm and I'm sagged off enough to where if he tried to cut off the catch, I could cut him off. And then that just, I think, threw everything out of whack. I don't know that for sure. I have to ask one of them uh, the next home game. But I think that that's kind of what happened just by looking at it. And then so Murphy passes to Zion in the slot, who's wide open. Jerry, of course, rotates perfectly right in front of Zion uh, at the three-point line, who the Thunder have been leaving open at the three-point line all game. But Lou, just instead of ignoring Zion, he still shuffled over to Zion, and now there's two guys on Zion at the three-point line, and Murphy's wide open for three. Zion makes the pass back to Murphy. Three-point shot goes up. Bang, 71-60 uh, is the lead at that time. Thunder obviously made a comeback from that spot, but... It was just interesting to see like the, the one time that there's been glaring miscommunication from Lou Dort defensively. I think that there was honestly a category in which Lou Dort was one of his better games at of his of his time. I think that's one of the better games for Lou Dort of using his body to create separation at the rim and using his body to be under control while doing that. Though it's not just barreling in and and swinging his elbows around. He he used it to to stay under control within himself, but also gain that distance to make the uh, layup at the rim. So I thought that was really good from him as well. Uh, Coming up, let's talk Pokoshevsky. Let's talk about how this game went down as a whole. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at ExpressVPN. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is our good friends over at ExpressVPN. Protects your privacy and security online, folks. It's something you might not know beyond that, though. Like, we all know ExpressVPN and VPNs from Express can protect your privacy and secure yourself online. But 
An added bonus to that is that you can use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've just simply run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. This will change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge The Office on UK's Netflix. You can see the UK version of The Office. It's so simple to do. You just sign into Netflix, fire up that ExpressVPN app, change your location to UK, refresh your Netflix tab. That's it. Boom. Now you have the UK Netflix and, of course, accompanied with The Office UK. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you are located. You can also choose from almost 100 different countries. So just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. If you love Korean dramas, use ExpressVPN to make sure you get to see all of the South Korean Netflix shows with your Netflix subscriptions. Make sure you check them out today. It's not just Netflix, though. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, YouTube, anything that you have streaming-wise, you name it, literally anything. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN is to watch shows because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag. You can stream in HD, no problem. ExpressVPN also works with your devices like your phones, your media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch whatever you want on the big screen or on the go. Make sure you go right now and get access to hundreds of new shows. Go to expressvpn.com slash locked on. That is expressvpn.com slash locked on. Expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your next listen, go check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, giving you everything you need to know about the sports world in under 30 minutes or less beyond the box score and behind the scenes. Lockdown Sports Today. Let's talk Boku and throw in Jerry as well and everyone else. The Thunder did a really good job defending Zion. He, only, he had 23, still a good game, but he could have gone for 30, as we've seen other players do uh, in this recent stretch of games. Uh, but one of the more impressive factors is he only had one foul, only one free throw attempt. And of course, some of that's on the officiating, and then some of that's on the Thunder playing good defense. Zion, after the game, said he gives the Thunder a lot of respect for not playing without fouling. That could have been just to save money, of course. But, you know, whatever the case is there. I thought the Poku did fine on Zion, obviously, especially only having him have 23 points. And Poku also hit three for five from three, and we're still inching closer and closer to to a larger and larger sample size. I feel like Poku's three-point shooting could be for real. Uh, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, 11 points, 27 minutes of action, uh, and he was rewarded for his minutes there. Like, he, he, he played more physical. He played as good as you can against Zion. And he got rewarded for it. This is the reward for uh, living up to the expectations of you playing physically. Uh, Usman Jang also had a solid 11 minutes of action. Uh, Usman Jang, of course, has been with the Blue for almost a month, it feels like. But he got back against Houston, uh, played a little bit there. That was a, that was the second time back-to-back for him as well. The Blue played on Friday just like the Thunder did. Uh, and then in this game, he, he played a really productive um, 11 minutes of action. Two for three from three, three rebounds, Two blocks, a steal, six points. Uh, also, Jadab showed a lot of promise on both ends. Eight points, six rebounds, a block, an assist. Uh, played really good defense in this one to Jadab. But Usman played well as you know played well as well. And then just the overall game, the Thunder got their defense back. Like this was one of the best defensive games that you've seen from the Thunder in the last month. Uh, 105-101. 
OKC was once down 13 points, but they started out strong. They started out good. Uh, the Thunder once led by eight points, four times tied, nine lead changes. OKC uh, was out rebounded by two. The Thunder uh, were dominated in the points in the paint, 60 to 36. But the Thunder won second chance points, 22 to 14. Uh, fast break points was only decided by one in New Orleans' favor. Here's the big kicker that's been an issue for the last two weeks or so. OKC commits three less turnovers, yet the Pelicans cash in more on turnovers. The Pelicans get 17 points off of turnovers. The Thunder only get 13. That's a glaring issue that's been happening game over game over game. The Thunder are creating these turnovers at a high clip, which is awesome. They've got to find ways to make them count. They've got to, and they just haven't so far. The Thunder shot 37-31-91. The um, New Orleans shot 44-28-90. Not a good shooting night from OKC besides from the free throw line, uh, but still it was good enough to keep it close and keep it muddy. The Thunder did cover the 5.5-point spread, and the MVP of this game is SGA. So that is your recap for the Pelicans, plus a deep dive into what is happening with the rotations. Let me know your opinion on these rotations from Mark in the comment section on YouTube. Subscribe over there. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Like it, watch it, comment it. Also on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.